Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where a couple of folks talk about therapy, family, movies, music, sports, and everything in between. Remember that this podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests and should not be taken as medical advice. The content is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Everyone is a unique and special snowflake, so please consult your healthcare professionals for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We take every effort to ensure that the information presented is accurate, and we welcome any comments, suggestions, and corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing standard of care in a legal sense, or as a basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome everybody to episode 36 of PT Shop Talk. On today's episode, we do an article review on hopefully two episodes or two articles if we can get to it. Uh, and then we finish up with our top five new metal songs from 1997 to 2002. Give ourselves a little window there. Uh, and these are songs that still hold up for us. I'm Casey Hansen. With me as always is Nick, old metal doling, and Jeremy, what's metal? Van Klompenberg. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome. 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 That's good stuff. That was an easy one. No, that one. Old metal, new metal. Yeah. Yeah. That was all. Yeah. It's all good. It's fair enough. Well, yeah. What's new in your guys' world? Not a whole lot. I, uh, you know, I was at the old uh, gas station. Had to grab a slice of pizza today. I didn't have time for like anything else. You guys ever like? Wait at the turnstile for like the perfect slice of pizza to come around to you. Yeah, you know how it rotates every, if I every do time. It, you have to. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm still at that point in my life. Like, I don't need the biggest, best slice of pizza in that thing. Like, yes, I you do. Probably save yeah. myself thirty seconds and just grab one and go. Well, you can't, if you if they're mixing it in, are they doing the individual slices on the yeah, right. thingy jigger? Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. grab a slice and go. Yeah. Then you. Then yeah. Can't take the risk of getting an old crusty dry one. Yeah. Well, that I get, but I mean, these were all—they all looked good. But there was like one bigger one at the back, and I'm like, "Come to me, baby." Oh. And I just <laughs> sat <to> there. <laughs> so where were, were you at a holiday? Were you at a Casey's? Casey's. Oh, Casey's. Let's go. Do you get com- Do you get commission? I wish. I wish they had more. Because <laughs> you'd be wearing Casey shirts and hats. You should. You should just for fun. I you should uh, sell it the same way. Yeah, yeah right. right. I could uh, sell them my little pick off our logo. They could use me as the mascot. Do you I think there's a better slice of gas station breakfast pizza out there? Mm-hmm. I don't no. think so. Yeah, they have. Uh, no. They figured They're, it out. Yeah, the old <clears throat> the old Medicare South University um, cafeteria had better breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. But, mm. Hard to believe. That's. Oh yeah, 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 when your base is like country gravy. Mm-hmm. See, your, Wesco out here's got a like country biscuit. gravy. Yeah, they've got a country oh, gravy one, but it doesn't. It doesn't beat like the soft nacho cheese. I mean, because you can get oh. Casey's with country gravy instead of nacho cheese if you like. Yeah. breakfast pizza. Well, then, then we could maybe talk. I haven't had that yet. I didn't so know. I haven't that. had it, so I can't. I can't. I'm still right now. Merit care. Rest, rest in peace. Um, is still my numero uno. <laughs> I don't know if Unbre- died, Nick. You know? <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> they, said, they, made, they, made it, 
They probably made some money off the deal. Yeah, she got grown and uh, changed through life. You don't have to mourn them. Um, it was it came through the co- came through the cocoon and it came out a wealthy butterfly. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Casey's does have a Wisconsin beer cheese breakfast pizza now. That's uh, that's new. That's also good. What it's thing? like a beer cheese sauce instead of nacho cheese, and it's got onions mm-hmm. and peppers. I'm, I'm like, I'm so from? sold on that. <laughs> like, I'm te- I'm tempted to quit therapy and open up a Casey's out here. Oh, you, I, you do so well. Yeah. It would it would rule. I mean, it'd be amazing. Caribou coffee is also one of the biggest things that we miss for Minnesota. Really? Yeah. Caribou coffee is legit. They don't have that. You know, do you? I gotta ask this because I asked my I put myself on blast when it came to the coffee drinking a couple weeks back. I finally invested in like a mixed box of black rifle coffee. Heard great things Ooh. about it. Good company, veteran. You're a real, you're stuff. a real American. Yep, I am. I have. <laughs> it's getting hot season too. My wife gave me a table. It's nice. My ones are smooth. All that stuff. Um, Is it better than caribou? So here, yeah, that's my question. So I brewed myself a delicious eight ounce cup. Was it French so, press? So, what French yeah, press? Prep, prep matters. What are we doing here? Like, yeah, is this just uh, K cup? No, K cup, K cup, K cup. Yeah, guys, I ain't that fancy. No, I, the fanciest I've ever got was grinding beans. Um, but you just use no, your so hands? I, I'm, Yes. <laughs> so why do you have a coffee grinder? Otherwise, I picture you just punching them in the palm of your hand. It's quieter this way. (laughs) It tastes better when you kill the beans yourself with your hands. That's what what I'll do when Maddie brings her first boyfriend home. Oh, you want a cup of coffee? You want some coffee? (laughs) Yeah. I was just just about to from your hand. (laughs) Well, so back to to it. I'm like, I'm halfway through my cup and I'm like, ooh. Like, this is really good. I'm really enjoying this. And I take a step back and I'm just like, I wonder if I would I had I not even known what it was, what was in there, right? Am I being biased based on the fact that I paid more for this coffee than I have for any other coffee in my life? Branding matters. And I've heard great things about it. So I don't know. I should almost do like a blind little taste test between that and my other shitty little great great value um medium roast or dark roast i can tell you it's better than great value i think you should do a you are a coffee guy though and you know what though facebook you know i can drink i can drink bad coffee and it was great value great value is not good coffee what it's it's very cost effective but it's not to throw a throw a little dap your way what were you brewing when i did my um trice annual site visit out there in may what <laughs> um, call them now. Not, i don't know <laughs> every third year yeah not try it is it triannual yeah it would be no, try it be no biannual is twice a year right so yeah triannual the opposite of triannual is semi-annual twice a year and biannuals every two Ooh, good question i think you're right i think you're right no, so triannual. Triannual. <laughs> triannual. Yeah. Whenever coffee you guys had brewing, I've told this story a couple of times. I was back in your office and I'm like, I literally was like, uh, Toucan Sam, like, 
Oh, yeah. That smells really good. And I walk <laughs> out there. And so what was that? What do you guys brew? Uh, well, we don't all the time, uh, but it's usually some Starbucks. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I think Starbucks makes the worst coffee. I'd rather have uh, Folgers. Oh. No, you talking no, you I can tell it was a Folgers. Ugh. Starbucks oh, is not as bad. It's bitter. It's so bitter. That is not the best part of waking up. It oh, it is. Folgers it's so cup? No. So, so every time every time I walked into our old clinic in Marshall and you know they're brewing they're brewing up the, the cups in the back just buying the big bowl canister of Folgers. Yeah. That you can tell that when you, the second you walk in, you know it's Folgers. It smells identical to our Luther Church in Carrington, like that little <laughs> capture. It all has the same smell. It's like everybody's brewing; they're buying like the five dollar like, ten gallon. Yeah, yep. when I go out to my farm, that's how I make a nice little eight cup uh, coffee little thing of that, and I sip all day. It's pleasant. I'd have mm. that over Starbucks any day. There's something you know, cute about it. Something nostalgic. I did find uh, Car- I mean, Caribou to me knocks it out of the park. Uh, we got a little uh, s'mores coffee that we made into. Uh, I do my own cold brew. That's oh, on point. Do. Yeah, yep. You know, if you if you uh, let it brew for twenty four plus hours, it's real smooth. Yeah, yep. Just throw it in the fridge. Yeah. Now you guys know. Just put beans in water. How do you cold brew something? I'm not fancy. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm definitely closer to Nick than I am to you when it comes to coffee. Uh, it's just a little uh, metallic uh, mm. bin. You put my the, daughter has one. My daughter does that. <laughs> you know what's great is you you almost put like uh, gosh, what is it? It's not a. It's it's almost a pound of coffee in it, and then you probably put somewhere she in the ballpark not. of yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of coffee. Check your budget. Um, <laughs> yeah. better be Folgers, but it's like uh, you maybe get thirty six or forty ounces out of it, but then it it's concentrate, so you only put a couple ounces in the bottom, and then you fill the rest with water. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. money. It's money. Never had, never had. I've had some like nitro cold brews here in Fargo. It's like a place that makes one, and they sell it at Drecker. I, I enjoy that. That's good. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Nice, nice flavor to it when I don't want to have a beer. But yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when is that? Oh, never. I threw it out there to sound sophisticated. <laughs> I saw it. Somebody else was drinking it. I think they're driving people home. On, the, on that note, I'm a, as as I've shared with you guys, I'm kind of a seasonal drinker for my taste. And I'm uh, pumpkin not spice. So beers. Much a, no, no, no. But I'm not so much a beer guy in the summer. It's got to just be like, honestly, I'm fine. In the, if I'm going to drink in the summer, it's going to be like domestic light beer, you know, kind of like a <laughs> taste of high school, right? Mm, that's all um, I'm too. I'm not a fan. But then the moment football starts and it gets a little chillier, I'm like completely fine drinking like a super heavy beer, like a good, good, delicious craft beer and then drinking more of it. Let's say you guys. I think it's a, I think it's like a, a biological signal, right? Like we're getting ready to hibernate. Mm. So we need 600 calories and 12 ounces. You know, right. we are, we're sense. just getting ready. We're getting ready yeah. for winter. Well, Knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. I, but yeah, seltzers don't hit the same in the fall. You know? Exactly. Like I have zero, 
as it gets colder, I have zero interest in drinking a seltzer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I do. It's weird. I'll drink whatever's there. If I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> At least when it comes Just to tr- beer, like I'll drink a light beer. I'll drink a Bud Light in the fall. I'll drink a Bud Light in the summer. Um, no, yeah, I'll drink a light now. beer now, but I want um, like a craft beer. Yeah. Uh, somebody offers me one, I'll drink it. But if I'm gonna be honest, I never probably order craft beer anymore. I, you know, I went down that road. Uh, tried every craft beer I could. Um, thought I had I've this seen you. I've palette. seen Kraken Dreckers on this very podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's, I think if we went to the YouTube tape. The techno Viking that. every once in a while is so different than anything else. That's barely drinking a beer. Um, Phantom Hand? No. Uh, uh, they got some gross. Loki's my homeboy. Honest. Dreckers gotten over the top. But uh, yeah, I, but I will say cocktails. And definitely come wintertime, I usually quit drinking cocktails. Yeah, that's more of a summer thing for me, for sure. No, man. What, it's a never thing for me. Whiskey? Never. Nope. Uh, hot 100 volt um, tailgating, as we talked about before. That's about the oh, extent um, of uh, hard liquor come come fall. Oof. Just, oof. Just a badass. I mean, you, 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 make me a, you make me a little less drink, I'll drink it. Um, you know, last year when we were at PPS, I some plenty of whiskey. The bourbon was good. Yeah. I kind of came back for PPS on a little bit of a bourbon kick. Well, yeah. So, when yeah, I'm when I'm like footing the bill, I'm sure it's delicious. That was, you <laughs> did foot the bill once, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I owed uh, in that little South Dakota uh, people <laughs> the stupid bison game. Was that in that little uh, that little bourbon cafe? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, like it was inside the... of a barrel. I believe was what we were drinking. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Tiny. It was good though. The cheapest, I mean, cheapest was like thirty six per shot. Yeah, I think that you guys. But it was all me. good. It was all. Yeah. Again, is Drinking that the is that the uh, is that the black rifle effect? Exactly. Maybe when you're paying huh? thirty two bucks for a shot, you're probably thinking to yourself like, "Oh, this is just delightful." Is bourbon an idea cult? Whoa. Oh. Can you be I feel like I'm an alcohol chameleon, Jeremy. Whoa. Oh, I would, I, good, I'm with you. I brother. like the I like the segue <laughs> tee off here. Yeah, I like great, it. So as we move segue. into that, <laughs> we're breaking down this main topic this week. We're breaking down at least one journal article, maybe two, depends on how in the weeds we get with the first one. Um Snatch this bugger off of April's edition of JOSPT, the viewpoint section, has such a catchy title, drew me right in, from idea cults to clinical chameleons, moving physical therapists' professional identity beyond interventions. What do you boys think? Yeah, I, I, I like the article. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, too, because I would say... Uh, just think of our conversations we had, you know, when I came back from a line, we talked about bias, um, yeah. you know, and that's a little bit of this. And then, uh, just even last time when we were talking about vertigo stuff and you're like, ah, I know the evidence says this, but I do this. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was right. a horse's ass. I was a red ass <laughs> son of a bitch last week. Uh, so I was like, okay, that's, that's appropriate. It just got me thinking about that. Cause I'm I'm not I was being I'm patient. Not I was being patient centered. I'm such a chameleon. <laughs> Well, uh, we we know this. Yeah, that's not what I do. <laughs> but you know, we've had those conversations. Not just you, Nick. I mean, there's, there's stuff I don't believe in, and I probably don't have a. 
I'm probably too far. You know, they talk about like yeah. manual therapy, um, one end of the spectrum. To I the think other. that that's our second article. And I think that's where, yeah, I, I made a bunch of notes on that. Um, exactly. Because we can't, we can't be led too hard one way or the other. Yeah. You've said that many times. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a cool article. Yeah. I, I, you know, definitely agree on, you know, the traits they talk about. We can go over some of that stuff and just, the four things they talked about making you a chameleon and how to recognize that mm-hmm. in yourself. I, I thought it was a, yeah. just kind of a cool little article to read. Yeah. Um, you know, we had this discussion uh, with our students and I don't know if I brought this up on the show, but you know, that first day they come back, we have them in the winter and then they go to clinicals and we have them again in the fall. And it's like, all right, how did clinicals go? What did you guys see? And, you know, it was a lot of like, well, our CIs are doing everything you guys have said is not to do, not to do, you know, (laughs) it's like, really, you know, still running into that. Well, and, and maybe I would say our education, we've maybe swung too far uh, the pendulum because, you know, we had a student where uh, the whole clinic was very postural focused. Like you have to get your posture down. You have to focus on posture, breathing. There's a correct way to set yourself up to be successful. Postural restoration. Yeah. Yeah. And so the student was like, you know, I, I, you know, see, I was like, how's it going? And the student's like, you know, I have a, you know, in school we learned that like posture really doesn't matter. And that's a bad way to say it. Um, everything yeah. matters, yep. but you know what I mean? Like you can't say that. <laughs> and they, I mean, to their credit, I think to their credit, I think they've tried to evolve. And I remember hearing back a few years ago, Jeremy, you were still here. Some of the therapists that were rolling it out, doing it hard. Um, I remember having some conversations with them. They were talking about how they, like even the PRI people wanted to change their title, like change their the name of their whole branding because they didn't feel it fit anymore. Because they are trying to do more than that, but you know, mm. well, it's, um, it's, it's a cult, though. Yeah. Right. So the student reached out to the, or, you know, the two main uh, instructors of the class and said, "Hey, I'm getting a lot of pushback. Um, can you help me out?" So they sent five, six, seven articles, you know, systematic reviews, um, some viewpoint stuff, some different research, you know, that's kind of saying that posture really isn't necessarily the cause of what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and she presented that and you know the the response then from the therapists were like well get the f out of my clinic well they said you <laughs> you know research is bias you you can't go by the research it's like okay so your professional opinion isn't like that that's your argument is and when we yeah. get to the second article there is a lot of bias in research i'm not denying that but mm-hmm. you have to at least be willing to have the conversation instead of yeah. saying, no that the article's wrong hundred <laughs> percent you got it you got to meld it go ahead jeremy um i was gonna I say was though gonna... isn't there isn't there some cool correlation though they they briefly mentioned like social media and information siloing and how we continue to reinforce those biases and yeah like i mean we could make that argument for for politics like across the spectrum yeah. too where it's like no we can't have we can't have a discussion because it's what I believe. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and again, I mean, I, I think from a clinical standpoint, I would say from a broader social perspective too, I think that's a dangerous place to be at. Right. 100%. Cause you're, cause you're just I, saying you think, like, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think what, like, I don't think that's going to go away. If anything, I think it's probably only going to keep getting worse, but I think a potential solution to it what would help me personally 
because I've drifted away. I used to really be, and I still, I still do like, like I'm the type of guy politically, like I'll like to hop on MSNBC now and again, just, okay, let's just see what they're saying. Even if I don't, you know, prescribe that school of thought. Right. Um, if it comes to, let's, let's talk about like clinical approaches, stuff like that. I just think would help so much is that if you had a contrasting viewpoint, you had this this type of that you claim that you had research to support, you had evidence to support it. I really think it'd be super helpful if people would like upload that with it, right? Like, here's a link to the research. Please, like, read it. And um, I think that would help versus just. And I know that happens. I know some people on Twitter do that, but I think when it comes to the really really strong opinions, and then sometimes people even draw their own conclusions from articles based on their own biases. But I think that would help. At least it gives you the opportunity to let's read through it and, and make decisions for yourself. I, I think the trouble comes from like, obviously these people are making boatloads of money when you have, you know, 800,000 followers. Right. Mm-hmm. So even like, uh, I like the, the guy that jumps off the bat to me is like, uh, Adam Meekins, like manual therapy sucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he comes out and he does actually present a lot of, articles with his posts but then he's also got uh, i would say like a pretty abrasive approach <laughs> yeah <laughs> to put it like to put it pc is like like when you're just straight up like this sucks you're stupid this is a yeah. dumb approach right like but you're, maybe, you're automatically you're 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 losing the footing for your conversation immediately right yeah you you lose a little ground you're right and what I'd like to see then, you know, because I think, at least in the ones that I've seen of his, because you shared some with me in the past, then I've hopped on his page and kind of followed him for a while. I just um, giggle. He's funny. But it goes to, <laughs> it, we, we, I know we keep alluding to the other article, right, um, where it talks about effectiveness versus efficacy and looking at studies, pragmatic, you know, like some, again, more of a marriage between pragmatic studies and RCTs and stuff like that. And I think that the stuff that he's always showing is exactly what ticks off most traditional therapists too is the fact that they're all RCTs. They're all like, okay, manual therapy done in isolation. Yeah. It's, you know, yep. you know, eight, eight minutes of PAs are not going to help your patient. I, I agree. I agree, especially in isolation, but mm-hmm. that's not the world we live in and that's not how we actually provide it. So how do we become a chameleon, Nick? Yeah. How do we do it? So we got to stay on there. Well, you got to, you got to imbue some traits, some characteristics um, that make you a good clinician. And what I was going to, what I was going to tee you up earlier, Jeremy, I thought of you when I shot this out and something you said a few weeks back when we were covering a different clinical viewpoint um, article. And, you know, we said some, you know, how we had that conversation about how some, aren't these just good characteristics of, of any good clinician, right? You listen, yeah. you show empathy. Right. You're now they go on, they list all these empathy, warmth, non-intrusive, extroversion, you're calming and secure, respectful, you have honesty and confidence, right? A lot of good characteristics. I wouldn't think anybody could argue against that. I think it all makes a lot of sense. Yep. But the art is in how, right? Yeah. I mean, you can list all those things off, but it, I think number one, it takes experience and time. And um, number two, it takes mentorship. Like you got to see it in application to really help hammer at home if you're not naturally good at it and then that third point i do think some people are just blessed with that ability whether it was how they came up or just innate um i think they can connect with people better you know i i uh you know like interesting like uh 
kind of case study I was talking with the patient like um, earlier this morning. And, uh, you know, like, so uh, I don't know, coming up, I feel like we've gotten like a decent, like eclectic approach, did a orthopedic residency through EIM. Um, a lot of stuff, I like, I vibe a lot with like SFMA, uh, Gray Cook, uh, Kelly Starrett, that kind of school of thought. Um, but I was, I was <laughs> talking about rolling patterns, uh, to a back patient. Uh, and, uh, I had alluded to it a couple, uh, a couple of visits ago and she said, well, what, like, what was that all about? Or how was that? I know you just like kind of said that passing and I, I'm going over like, well, they talk about this, you know, neurodevelopmental approach. Like you shouldn't be, you know, doing anything in, you know, in tall kneel or half kneel until you can roll. and you know, until you yeah. own, you know, right. Like, and, and I said, uh, you'll, you'll hear people like so far on the end of the spectrum, like is breathing important? Yeah, it is really important. Right. But there's some people that are like hard to live without it. You're foul, but diaphragmatic breathing. Oh. I think you knew where I was going, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but you're like, Hey, uh, you can't leave the table until you until I tell you you're doing a good diaphragmatic breath until you, you can broke that, that pattern. Right. So you, you look at that and I go, and I told her, I said, like, she's got like that mindset. We were talking about Wim Hof and some of these other, like, you know, um, cold exposure, right. Kind of on the periphery stuff. But I go 98% of people, if I set them on a table and I'm like, all right, we're going to breathe for an hour. And Can we're you, not going to leave the table. Do you have the we'll research to back. support this step? Do you have the research <laughs> to support that idea? I, I, I want to see it. Can you upload it? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's my clinical experience. But uh, mm. you know, like I said, you can <laughs> get my, you can get my understanding. <laughs> but you can get so far on that end where you're like, no, everybody is going to do breathing for the first three treatments, yeah. and it's like a lot of people aren't going to come back. But you have that piece of information that you go back to when when somebody really resonates with that, mm-hmm. right? And like you be like that eclectic approach to say like, hey, is one system good for everything? No, it's not. But you're going to want to be able to draw back on that experience throughout your career so you yeah. can meet that patient where they're at. Yeah, and some of it's so blatantly obvious. <clears throat> you know, there's examples that sometimes, and I think sometimes people get so blinded by it. They get so into it. It's exciting. It's energetic. It gives them a clear pathway to just about every patient. You start painting with a broad brush and you start ignoring the nuances from patient to patient, whether it's, you know, completely non-operative chronic, or even as we've seen in the past year, I mean, I can reflect on a situation where a post-operative patient rotator cuff, um, I shared with you this, this example where she had a lot, she was very upset and wanted her entire episode of care written off. Because she was doing, she was doing postural restoration from day one postoperatively, and when she went in to see her surgeon, whatever it was, eight weeks, twelve weeks out, or whatever, and she could hardly raise her arm at all um, yet. And they had, he said, "What are you guys working on?" She's like, "Blowing up balloons and you know, kind of laying on my side and you know, fixing my hips and stuff like." He was pissed. And told her that she needed to go somewhere else. But she said, no, I really like my therapist. So she stuck it out, came back and, and explained it to her therapist. And he worked in like a little bit of it. Because I went and had to do a whole chart review on this to determine if we were going to, you know, write it off. So he worked in a little, little bit of like 
you know, your traditional post-operative protocol-based care, like like restore for restore past range of motion, you know, then move to active system. And she still had like really bad outcome. And eventually when she got her and the money tied in, so when she got her bill, she couldn't raise her arm yet. And still had she said she had to go back and um finished care or started seeing somebody in, in Sioux Falls and all it took was like four visits and her arm was like perfect, right? She's almost up by that point. Anyways, he came to me afterwards and he's like, Am I just like too deep in this? I'm like, Yeah, probably. <laughs> post freaking post-operative patient, you know. Um, I handled it a little nicer than that, but it was like, Yeah, probably we probably need to peel it back a little bit and appreciate the differences, right? And and that's so blatantly out. Sometimes it takes something like that just to smack you back into senses and be like, okay, this is not what I thought it was. And maybe it's not the end all be all. I've said it before to Casey. I know that. And I think I said it on here. But one of the, my favorite things I heard Adrian Lowe say in my first class was, he's like, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't the end all be all. Nothing is. And the second you're in a class where somebody's claiming it, you got to get out of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a point in this article where, you know, when it was kind of like this, the other one that we covered a few weeks back too, where they used the vignette and the, the therapist was, or the patient was requesting ultrasound, right? Ultrasound mm-hmm. helped me in the past. Can I have it again? And in this one, they use manual therapy, right? Manual therapy helps me. And it's like, I like the way that they're, they're kind of breaking down into the weeds again, something that I think would just be inherent to a lot of people, but yeah. they break down some practical application, like think. Why do you think manual therapy? Why do you yeah. think she believes manual therapy helps? Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe, and then you can make a, a better educated approach on how you want to, how, or <clears throat> an educated decision on how you want to approach it. Yeah, and I think that patient-centered, patient-led, uh, patient-assisted care, whatever you want to call it, you know, like, what do you want to work on today? Like, do you want some manual? Versus just saying, like, hop up on the table, you know, manual work, I'm going to do manual. Like, you still want to be engaged. You don't want to necessarily just do that with everybody you know but if that patient really comes in today and says oh i'm really flared up this work can you work on my shoulder a little bit yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. that, you know no uh, i agree i agree yeah uh, you know so that was kind of cool i i did like just to go back to your uh other statement about adrian Lowe too like this article had kind of that cool little quote from david butler too yeah um, yep. Yep. you know the what bugs me is it took me so long to realize that uh, I, I was the, the probably the variable <laughs> he was the variable. Nope. like that's kind of cool uh good self-reflection cool. on you know the, one of the one of the big big dogs in therapy you know yeah i think it's i think it's it gives you some good food for thought it would be a great read where i'd recommend this is for any like pt student and especially any um definitely any new or new clinician yeah new clinician um yeah. i think old and then, you clinicians. Know, then, and then there's older then there's older clinicians You're probably too, like right that too. About any, anybody who's maybe really gone heavy gone deep into like one one pathway for a long time yeah definitely that which i've i've always skewed that i i don't I, I, it's always kind of scared me to do that yeah because um, I, I feel like the young therapists that have worked with me they seem to be pretty moldable like oh, i'm really into you know, McKenzie's and it's like, okay, you know, have you looked at this other stuff and have them watch a few Medbridge videos or something or follow somebody on Twitter. And then they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, and it talks yeah. about that in the article too, where, you know, the Ted talk effect, like you kind of jump into whatever catches you. I mean, Adrian Lowe did that to me, the hook, line and sinker. Mm-hmm. I spent years uh, really focused on that. Um, 
And I can't say I've moved away from it, but I've definitely shifted off of it a little bit. And I, I wish I remember who said it. Somebody on Twitter said, you know, if you believe in something, like you should almost be its biggest skeptic. Like you should really hound into yeah. people that think it doesn't yeah. work. Uh, find yeah. their viewpoint. You need to challenge your belief, you know, versus yeah. that it's so easy to get in your side. They're confused. Away. They're confused. They don't understand. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, like, it's not about me, right? It's it not is about tough. us. It's about the patient. Because <laughs> I've thought about that sometimes. Because there's just there's just things I, you know, and I we've talked about, right? Like, I'm not a big trigger point guy. I'm not a big McKenzie's guy. Like, uh, maybe I should take those classes. <laughs> like, I should look into those things. But we just don't have mm-hmm. the time, the money, uh, you know, to do all that stuff. So I think that's hard, too, because yeah. you kind of so compare yourself stop. to something, you I... know? Only so much I should stop dumping on like myofascial release and the MFRs. Oh, put on your khaki shorts, get a yeah. nice little short sleeve button up, let your hair grow long, uh, go to a nice myofascial release course. I kind of want to. Crystals all point. over. Uh, you would feel the energy. You would be weeping, Nick. You'd oh, be I heard weeping. that. I heard <laughs> that. You just release. Yeah. Have you ever just had your release at all released? Man, imagine how you feel. <laughs> gotta go to the gotta go to the toilet right away. <laughs> you just do that in the room. That's one with nature. Uh, John oh, Barnes would my... love that. To the to oh, the forest, gosh. young Nick. To the forest. <laughs> to the forest. How's he releasing the jejunum? I don't know. I haven't been to a course. I assume there's a technique. It's pretty you don't want to take take your shoes hey. off so you can be one. <laughs> yeah. bet, bet, bet nod. He he did liver minutes. Remember, Nick? Yeah, but and there was and that was one of the Meekins ones too that I saw. He was it wasn't Benad, it was somebody else was manipulating livers and he had like a Toilet Instagram plunger. reel or something where he was just shredding it apart. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently I don't, I don't understand how suction works. <laughs> yeah, I don't and I don't it doesn't go deeper uh, than the surface. But you know, now Jeremy, if, we're being, if we're being intellectually honest with each other, maybe we we honestly we jumped right to Google. We didn't look up anything on it. We just started shitting on it right away when you thought <laughs> talking about it. When it delivers, and we're like, I don't understand the physical physiologic process. So right away, we're like, this is a quack. Like, just this guy's done. Let's go drink some beers. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But That's, I mean, that see, was just I manipulate different. my liver internally. That's how I do it. Yeah. Yeah, I flush it out. Yeah. Um, Get them poisons I, out of there. I just but, gotta that, believe it, that's more of like, like you get like this was another Meekins too, where they were talking about psoas releases, and it's like, okay, you're gonna palpate the psoas. It's like palpating through three steaks and a twelve pack of hot dogs, and then you're like, I'm on it, got it, you know, like, yeah. and and it's like, uh, I don't know, I gotta believe there's a. Uh, a little power and placebo there. This is going to yeah. help me. This is what I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I should, I guess like... I, again, I need to confront my own. Well, well that's where it gets I need to... to get, I need to get my liver yeah. in it. I need to. And, and I'm like, if I'm in there, whether it's like a psoas, whether I'm needling psoas or whether I'm needling, like presumably psoas, right? That's where I'm going to go with this. Presumably psoas or presumably like even the piriformis, you know, glute max. I'm like telling the, I, I always kind of quip to the therapist. I'm like, I think, you know, cause I still remember dissecting that tissue and gross anatomy and like the layers, like you have to really tease it apart. 
So the fact that like, oh, this is the cross fiber right here. So I'm on piriformis and I know for a fact unequivocally that's where I'm at. Well, that's not true. You don't really know that. You know, yep. you're just blindly believing that. So I'm like, I don't know, plug in a couple of those muscles and we're going to presume, you know, I'm hitting them something in there. That's a sign of uh, a chameleon. <laughs> I'm trying to be a chameleon. Complexity. You're acknowledging complexity. Just like, just like the predator. He was like a chameleon in the jungle. Remember that? Mm. <laughs> That's how you've tied it around to yourself, huh? You're a physical <laughs> predator. I like that. That's Wait, the, that, doesn't sound, right? that doesn't sound good. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm a, a therapy, therapy predator? predator, and I'm going to work on your glutes. Drop them undies. Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, it's just piriformis, nothing else. Wink. <laughs> that's all i'm palpating but i think in general it goes that guy weird like, <laughs> do the job uh. and i and i hope i i like that jospt's plugged in more of these viewpoints um you know i think our other one was you know when we talked about ruptures of a therapeutic relationship and i got some great feedback from my wife michelle who's she listens to the pod all the time she was uh you know, driving to work. And she said, you know, a lot of your guys is, um, a lot of the, the context of what we were sharing, she's like, it's not unique to therapy at all, right? You're talking about relationship building and that happens yeah. in other business lines, um, any other service where you're dealing with, with customers face to face, you're dealing with people and you have to appreciate the differences and not get sucked away too hard either way, right? Like you also can't, like, I like what you said, Keith, you can't have a patient walk in and be like, well, you're going to you want to do my shoulder and then and then you're going to do some massage there and if i have time i'll do some exercise and i and it's been a long time but i i did have a patient or two that would would come in and that was their thought like they would just direct the care they tell me what works and i felt like i was always trying to do a delicate dance with them on okay i don't want to scare them off some of this may or may not work um, but I do believe I can get them to do some of the things that I believe will work and help mm. them. So maybe I can meld these things together, you know? And then I think, and, and some of that I think came on, do you still believe that when you're a young clinician, people are skeptical of you. And as you, as you age and your hair goes back and you start adding a little bit more salt in your beard, I think people will start, I do wisdom. think that has an effect. You know, the wisdom, wisdom effect, that wisdom was used in here, right? Wisdom, that word. And you know, maybe and I'm sure we all change too. It's made me a little softer. It's maybe more more malleable. I don't like the way I, I think one other point, like if, if you have a disagreement with a patient or you disagree on what they feel is going on, right? And we've talked about this before. Let's, and let's use an example. Let's use a very common example. Somebody comes in there like, I have a herniated disc at L4, L5, and I think I need surgery, right? Super common, comes up in literature. Um, therapists talk about all the time. I had a lot of students that I've been able to meet with over the years and, and they love talking like they almost immediately like to jump all over how bad how bad uh, imaging is and how surgeries don't work and all that great stuff that we've been hearing about for years but it's it's like and all that's true at least the research supports it's true but how do you how do you convey that to a patient without pissing them off or mm -hmm. or making them feel really really dumb right it's letting you know hey I, I don't know. I think, a, I think a very plausible approach is saying, yeah, sure. I, I think it's very possible that 
you have, you know, you probably do have a herniated disc. And, and you know what, that's not incredibly uncommon. I think that there's a lot of individuals who do have that, some symptomatically, some asymptomatic. It's probably not a disc in isolation either. There's other structures all intimately supporting that tissue and, and they're probably involved here, but you know, your outcome can still be pretty darn good um, using these conservative approaches, right? Rather than being like, well, do you know that literature says that 77% of people walk around asymptomatically have low back pain? So you're, it's probably not your guess. You're probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what? I I, I, I try to talk about I try to talk about that with patients that aren't dealing with it. Like uh, I'll try to have that be like kind of a clinical topic because I think when somebody's in nine out of ten pain, a lot of times they're going to believe that surgery is the only answer, right? And yeah. uh, so because that's just where they are, and then you go, well, you know, from experience or retrospectively, we look and we're like, well, okay, well, how do we judge success? Is this if you're good at two years? Like you see plenty of people with three, four, five surgeries, right? But like you're not going to say that to the patient, but you know, you bring it up and you say like, hey, this is what the research says. Like your pain started three weeks ago. Like if, if we can see this in a, a large amount of people that have this and they don't have pain, I'm really confident I can get you back to that spot too. You know, even if that's there, like that, this can be a really normal thing and that's a-okay and I'm confident I can get you there. You know, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just challenging depending on like, yeah, where they are in that process. And it's like a lot of times when it's, the, uh, you know, insurance won't cover the MRI until you fail therapy. That's a really hard, <laughs> that's a really hard patient to get back, you know, yeah, it is. It is. but, but it's like, gosh, if I can talk about that at some point with a patient that's not in pain, maybe they'll relay they that to, to a, maybe they'll relay that to a cousin or a spouse where, gosh, I remember when I was in therapy, they talked about like the imaging is not the end all be all. You know, yeah, until they until they go and see like an orthopedic surgeon who's like, oh yeah, he this guy knows we do it though. How'd you walk in here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've seen, but I'd agree with you, Jeremy. That's that's a great way to go about it too. Because we said it a million times on the show, like I have to change the narrative, uh, and you can change that narrative at any time with anybody. You know, it's okay to yeah, your shoulder replacement patient. You know, they might see somebody working on the back. You know, you always yeah. have patients who are like, what's wrong with them? And ah, I can't really say, you know, well, it looks like their back really hurts. It's probably a disc. Huh? And you're like, well, actually, just, you know, you get them, yeah. may or may not contribute. You know, like you can just keep sharing that stuff, share it with friends, family, students. Well, you know, just again, yeah. that change that narrative. I had two subacute back pain patients uh, this week that had really significant radiculopathy, uh, went in for MRIs. Both of them had disc bulges both times two separate doctors said well you have a disc bulge but you know the chances of it you know being the major causes probably aren't that big that's cool oh that's cool that's i haven't cool. heard that in a long time <laughs> you know both of them was yeah. like yeah it may be contributing but it's not that big of a deal i was like well that's that's a great narrative change but then i had a 22 year old collegiate soccer player that the doctor told her she had the back of a 65 year old so um <sighs> the narrative is it's coming and miracle miracle <laughs> science she's still walking yeah no and i think like you're saying too whether it's um another good another good opportunity for that is like spouses when they're talking when you work with the patient they start telling you about their spouse and and you're like oh, okay you know you can start sprinkling in some of that because i like your point jeremy it's less emotionally intense when it's not the individual or a lot of pain 
Yeah. No, they can they can be more receptive to it. Be able to say, but it's not, you know, it's not going on the research, at least in my opinion. It's it's more of taking the approach of um, yeah, we can do some things in therapy that can most likely help them, help alleviate a lot of their symptoms, you know, and get them back functioning again. Um, stop short of like, oh, we're gonna fix it all, you know, don't set up, don't set that standard too high, but um, you know, but but getting them, you know, get them to understand that not everything needs to be gloom and doom and and uh, you know, jump to the worst case scenario, which a lot of new metal music did 20 some odd years ago. <laughs> oh, do you like that? We're doing it was that. My, huh? It was my turn. It was my turn. There's just way too much meat on the bone of the next one for, for us to squeeze that in. This is yeah, it. no, I totally agree. I do think the next one is funny. Like the over half of clinical trials and mobilization ha- may have limited real world applicability. Such a like uh, in your face title where it's like, Man, boy, therapy and mobilization might not work, but that's like not really what the article's about at all. I, I mm. thought that was kind of interesting. Like it is and it isn't. You know, they don't they talk well, about half, the half of the articles don't have real applicability is what they're saying. They're not pragmatic. They could. <laughs> you know, they could, they're, but they're they saying <laughs> Yeah, I, I just thought it was a like a weird headline grabbing thing. Oh, I like, love it. I, I can't wait. We gotta we gotta devote like a big chunk bait. to that. Yeah, it was. It just it's, felt it's like a, stuff. a clickbait title for a JOSBT article, but that's uh, another article for another day. Yeah, yeah. I also had issues. I couldn't print it out. I wanted to, and I don't know if this one was. It was not in my September issue. It was only no, online. it wasn't mine either. So I have the PDF, but then I can't. I'm having weird issues. It's not letting me save it. Every time I go to save it, it brings up. It retitles the document as something else. Mm. Over half of clinical trials of mobilization and manipulation for patients with low back pain may have limited real-world applicability. A systematic review of 132 clinical trials. Wow. I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Odd for another day, though. Odd for another day. Until next time. We're on to our sad sack, new oh. metal list. We're all from this it's era. Not all sad sack music. I, I'm proud to say mine's Lincoln Park free. Um, Mine's not. I knew. I wondered. <laughs> um, Can but, Crawling make a list on songs that have soured and songs you still like? Can you put that on both lists? You know, Crawling didn't make my list. <laughs> yeah, it I sounds know. like you hate it. So. <laughs> but I like it. Well, well, I I kind of went first last week on our on our fun little video game list, so um, I can go first this time and. Um, kind of maybe lay a little lay a little uh, foundation you boys just take it away build the castle build so build the castle all right so without further ado my number 55555 is from 1999 mm. uh, it is it's mud shovel by Stain. a mm. uh, song that's been referenced here before um i think it's got a sweet sweet simple riff escalating riff um, it still works for me to this day. Um, captures a lot of angst, you know, as we were talking off pod, um, what this, re- you know, what this whole genre kind of represented was, you know, animosity and sadness and kind of disenchantment with, you know, what's going on in the world and things aren't always as great as they kind of seem to be. But, um, I still don't know what the title Mud Shovel means. Casey, you could probably fill me in on it. 
no, no idea. <laughs> but um, you know, Aaron, Lu- you know, Aaron Lewis was so fun to listen to too back then. I mean, he really was a really uh, powerful vocalist. I think he had, I think he was a great lyricist too, especially as uh, things moved on. So, uh, put them on the map in my book, much like so many other people, um, and that still sticks with me to this day. Uh, Mud Shovel by Stain, nineteen ninety nine, is my number five. Yeah, an old uh, Limp Biscuit disciple there. Yeah, Limp yep. Biscuit was the one that brought him in. Yeah, and Fred Durst, right? Aaron Lewis was giving him a tattoo, and he yeah. slipped Fred Durst's demo. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Put your cool. lighters in the air. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. Uh, famously, he looked at the demo and he hated it. The the, the later convinced really? him. Yeah, like their demo was kind of weird. It had like some crosses and some weird uh, religious stuff on the cover, and it was really off-putting for him. Um, but then went back and oh. listened to it like a month later, and was like, "Fred's pretty well esteemed at that stuff too." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gotta think his judgment's wise. Yeah. You want me to go uh, second there? Jeremy, or you got it? Oh, I can go. Time. No one, uh, no one's gonna be uh, itching to hear this list. I had to Wikipedia what new metal is. Uh, I just had to be sure. Had yeah, to be yeah. Sure. you. I'm sure you you jammed a little bit of this in different, yeah. like whether you were training some weight pumping the iron, as they used to say. Mm. You know, that, that, actually, that's a nice segue there. Uh, my my first one is uh, "Freak on a Leash" by Corn. Um, I think I said that. Uh, a few podcasts ago that <laughs> seems like a lifetime ago uh that was the only uh follow the leader was the only cassette that was in our weight room in uh in candy minnesota so um did you beatbox with the song no you never well, scatted i'm yeah um but yeah that'd be uh i think probably thanks. my first thanks my first uh, interaction with the genre so holds a little special place in my heart so yeah that's a I think pretty you're... solid first introduction to new metal <laughs> yeah i think if, i think if you look up the like if you go to the wikipedia page on it it's kind of funny it's it's really that album kind of just exploded it all like they had some precursors in the 90s but freak on a leash really get the get the life was good too it didn't make my list but that was good yeah. yeah, that whole album's pretty solid. Good album. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I. Interestingly enough, uh, I'll save it for later. Yeah, but Fred Durst makes an appearance on that album as well. All he does. Family, well, well, family. he was a disciple of Jonathan Davis, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So there was a whole chain. There was like a coaching tree. Of <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Davis to Fred Durst to Aaron Davis. Lewis. The old West Coast offense. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Walsh esque, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> Oh, I think that's a great choice on my short list for sure. Um, not to spoil the rest of my list, didn't quite make it, but what the heck? It sounded cool too. And I would say Freak on a Leash was interesting because there was people, at least in my school, that liked that song that you would not have guessed would like metal music. There was a lot of girls that liked that song, and it just had a different. It wasn't soft, you know, when you listen to no, it. No, it melded like mel- mel- genres. I mean, but, but, it is, but it, yeah. Yeah, it felt it felt new too. Yeah, something I mean, pardon new. the pun, but it, at the time <laughs> oh. it felt very new. Even though we we've touched on <laughs> something, they're not new metal. But I, when you go back and you follow the history, you're like, my gosh, like Faith No More was doing a lot of this stuff ten years before. 
oh, yeah. which is very, which is kind of interesting. And even the chili peppers, a lot of their heavier stuff kind of fit that mold, you know, the funk, um, funk, hip hop, metal kind of fused together. Yeah, totally agree. There was definitely a few of those bands that were, I don't know, mix them and grunge, and they, it was just an interesting evolution. Yeah, all and even stuff. a little sprinkle of techno now and again. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they did meld a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was a, and that's why people liked it. Like you said, it was a different sound. That nothing I would say in the '80s sounded like new metal. No, no. Um, just kind of took a little bit of that glam rock stuff from the 80s combined with the grunge combined with the speed metal and just mixed it all into mm-hmm. just a, a, a yeah. loose package i'm not gonna call it a tight package because there was a lot of sloppy new metal but uh yeah. my but number you're, but you're analyzing the package nonetheless oh i'm staring at it <laughs> non-stop nick i like it. i respect that i'm looking at the outlines i'm seeing how it's moving i'm doing it all uh my number five uh, a band that probably would be considered on the cusp of new metal. Uh, probably why I put them at number five, because I would say some people would argue whether they were new metal or not. Uh, in the 90s, uh, this California band toured with Korn and the Deftones a ton, uh, so mm-hmm. definitely were in the scene. Uh, they really blew up uh, with their album in 99. Uh, it's a band called Incubus, and the song is Pardon yeah. Me. Oh, good one. Yeah, good one. I love Incubus, believe it or not. So when I did this list, I kind of looked at songs that have grown on me a little bit. I I like them more now, probably when they first came out, because I would say when this album came out, uh, Stellar and Drive were bigger for me. Um, Yeah. And those of... Stellar are very cool. Still good songs, um, but definitely more ballad feel to them kind of have fallen into just the mix of that ballady type rock music but pardon me still stands out still cool they got the dj um a little funk to it right pardon me was that was lit yeah they had a little acoustic version too didn't they they had a little acoustic version of that they i think this whole album they did like a little side acoustic thing with some of them they were that Um, that was good too yeah was it was it album called like make yourself yep i think so a lot of good songs on there. Make yourselves great. Miss you. Um, like yeah. I said, stellar. There's a lot of good. And you know, after this album, they really went away from the funk and the DJ yeah. and yeah. just went kind of straight rock. After this, I would say this was the last album from them that I would consider maybe new metal. Um, yeah. Because morning, morning view. Morning view is more. I I agree. More like yeah. pure pure rock. More pure like just alt rock rock. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and yeah. I actually prefer it better, but um, I think they I think there was a good evolution. I actually uh, like science. Them. Uh, the album before. Uh, yeah, that was a little heavier, a little faster, a little a lot more funk to that, a lot more uh, DJ and stuff mm-hmm. in it. But that that album didn't like it when if if I'm a be honest, like Make Yourself came out, then I went back and got Science, and I was like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And now I listen to it and I'm like, science is cool. Like there's not a lot of stuff sounds like that. Real chili peppers type sound to them. I gotta go back and just just kind of re-explore it. <clears throat> at least at least make yourself and see if I see if it still hits. Because when, when Morning View came out, all of a sudden that became like my go-to compact disc. That was mm-hmm. like I was in college, like right in the throes of college, so you're like really wise and everything's deep. So you're like this really is wise. So good. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh, it was so wise you're so wise i mean god when i was when i was sophomore in college i came i was so wise just i i understood all the lyrics yeah right (laughs) warning warning was that was a banger for sure 
it was voice good, was good cool. stuff. He definitely had yeah. a great voice. Again, he was uh, one of those bands that really reached out to the ladies. Uh, they loved him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, everything, I think every album or every video, he was like shirtless. And yeah, like, never put a shirt on. He'd move it around, right? That was like a thing. Like, I wasn't. Just, Jim Morrison asked. Yeah, I saw him at Blue Stem here in town a few <clears> years <throat> ago. And yeah, like four songs in, he took a shirt off. And I mean, he's like 40 something at this point. People in the crowd were losing their minds. <laughs> so he still got it. Still got it. That's my Good number for five. Him. Pardon for him. me. Inkers Pardon me. Good song. Great song. Um, my number four is kind of a, I'd almost forgotten that they'd fit into new metal, but they fit the time period and according to Wikipedia, they're classified in, so I'm going to go with it. Um, definitely more, more in the vein of more pure metal, but it's from the year 2000 and it is, it is the title track of the album Awake, the song Awake by Godsmack. And I felt like. I was a really big Godsmack guy. I really like those first two albums connected with me. I think they, um, they felt right because, you know, obviously they, they robbed from a lot of good bands, Mm -hmm. but they did it. They didn't do it poorly. I think, I think it'd be a misnomer to say, ah, it's just easy. Man, they, they got, and by that second album, I felt they got a little heavier in the right ways. Um, and awake. And all the right ways. In all the right ways, right? It's not, not heaviness <laughs> just to heavy package, yeah. Jeremy. Heavy heft to it when it you hang, hold it. Hanging low. Um, so great drum riff. I mean, the intro just feels good. Um, that album, I actually really enjoy that album too. Uh, uh, back. Sorry, Jeremy. Yeah. You okay. <laughs> that package is so big. It's so, so heavy. We're we have to change the narrative on packages. Um, somebody's gonna think we run a courier business. <laughs> maybe maybe Casey wants to get his hands on some more. Oh, all day long. Ah, uh, 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 put those packages where they belong. Oh, this innuendo. Grab oh them, my god. Them. Oh, so, anyways, go on. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. I thought I think Soli Erna had a pretty good voice for for metal. I think he's a great lead lead voice. Um, and Awake, I actually really like Sick of Life, too, which is the, the first track on the album, and then it leads into Awake. I think it's a great one, too. Uh, um, so that's uh, kind of where I'm at. My number four, Awake by Godsmack from the year 2000. Yeah, I, I love the album before that. I, I I guess I would vary a little bit from you, where I felt like the second album was almost just more the same from the first album, so I didn't enjoy it quite as much. Um <laughs> Because the first album was kind of cool. It was like a return to rock a little bit, just clean radio rock kind of. I mean, he, like you said, he had a cool voice. It was a just a clean rock voice. You know, it wasn't gravelly like a lot of what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, Keep it, Away was good. I mean, that, I'm not going to dog that album. I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah. So uh, I just didn't like the second one as much, but it's great. I mean, yeah, there's three or four songs on my short list from Godsmack. So, I mean, that's yeah. great band. Still like them. Still I still do. And I think they put out some decent stuff over the last like 15 years too. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, me. Get him, Jer. Uh, my number four is actually Godsmack as well. Uh, Voodoo. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. So this again is like. Uh, bum, 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 bum. 
You have to do it. You have to like it's very hypnotic. Oh man. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to steal your thoughts. So we would uh this takes me back to like football, like uh being a being a sophomore, or actually it was freshman. Um, they would dress the JV team at at home games because we had such a small school. Uh, Mm -hmm. to make it look good, right? Um but you're sitting there and like you don't know what to expect, and they had they 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 like kind of blacked out the whole uh, locker room, and then like that just hit. And it was one of the yeah. big songs in the little like warm up, get psyched period. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it was uh, yeah, it's a banger. It's good. That was good such a badass, just a perfect closer to an album. I, I mean, it's like the last song in an album, and it fades out, and like, but it still feels like dark and heavy. Yeah, you know, I love it, man. I love that call. That's great. <laughs> that song always sticks out because uh, back then every album had like a secret song on it, and yeah, yeah. Like, Sometimes you had to skip like track. thirty tracks yeah. to get there. Yeah, and I remember that album has like a secret <clears throat> track on it. I remember me and my buddy were like, "Oh, you listen to secret track? We're so cool. We knew there were secret tracks." Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's totally <laughs> terrible. But my buddy's like, dude, have you listened to the actual song before the secret track? Which was Voodoo. He's like, that thing is a banger. Yeah. And then I was like, went back and Correct. listened, and I was like, that is a banger. I could actually yeah. end the album on that. <laughs> I didn't need the secret song. Get out of here. Am, I, am I right that they've kind of taken the Metallica approach to where they've had like in subsequent albums more recently, they've had like Voodoo 2, and they've yep, had like, they've like some of that stuff. Really? Sequel, <clears throat> you know? I gotta check it out. I've just seen it listed, but I kind of want to listen to it see if it has the same type of vibe. Well, I want to say even on the second album with Awake, there's a song that's like the sequel to Keep Away. Oh, they really? say that in like the music video. They're like, this is like the second part of Keep Away. Like uh-huh. so they were doing that, I think, even at early on, because as a I forget the song, but very similar beat to Keep Away, a little different, but kind of like a change in it. I think it's the second album, yeah. maybe it's the third, but um yeah. yeah voodoo great good stuff great. That's what i got my numeral great four. choice Jeremy. yeah uh this is uh actually probably the only non-single on my list i didn't want to like dive too far off album but um it's from 2001 from stained uh break the cycle and it's a song called waste um familiar with mm-hmm. this song it's it starts out pretty slow because that whole album was definitely like a change for stain got yeah. a little more emotional a little more quieter um, songs based on uh, after a concert, uh, mom came up to Aaron Lewis and her son had uh, killed himself and oh. he was a huge stain fan. And she was, you know, why, like, why did my son, you know? Uh, so the song starts out with kind of telling that story and how he felt really bad about it. And, but then like the song changes tone and he gets angry, like, what a waste of your life. And like, why do you as a mom come to me with these questions that you should have known the answers to what was wrong with your son? You should have listened to him and found out what was wrong. And like the very end of the song, he goes into this scream tirade, like F you and F him for not having the strength to pull through, you know, it's been shitty for me. I've had plans. I've messed up, but I'm still here and still fighting every day. Um, so just like a really powerful song that has probably as time gone on been like 
you know, you're not allowed to say those things anymore. Um, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> different era, but yeah, but like the he doesn't, he's kind of, he kind of, wrong. he kind of rocks that way though these days. Oh yeah. He's, he's Don't pretty tread strong. on me. I got an yep. eagle and a flag. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, he's making a good. Co- I'm, I'm not gonna lie, he makes some good country music. Yeah, definitely old school sound to it. But so it's just a kind of a cool song that's grown on me a little bit, just because it is so different. And I don't think you can like get a song like that today and be kind of how we went about it. And and I think there's, I, I don't want to downplay mental health. There's a lot of those things, but that like strength and that like quit blaming people. Like, kind of you know, listen to your. I'm gonna kids. check it out. I'm yeah, gonna check it out. That up. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, listen to it to the end too. Like it, mm-hmm. it's cool because you feel the change in the song from him being like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry your son's passed away." Like, I love my fans, and like, I don't ever want this to happen. To like, he slowly becomes angry as the song goes on, thinking about it. So it's cool. Great song. Please. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I am going to check song twelve on Break the Cycle, <clears throat> two thousand one. Got it. All right. Well, I got to wet my whistle. Hmm. Too much package talk. I get it. Dry it out. Gargle it. Gargle it. (laughs) Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) I have a good thing I have a mute button here that I figured out how to use. Uh, Just would have got a combination of cough and laughter. All at once. A little vomit down there. (laughs) All right. My number three is from a band who's already been mentioned. It's from the year 1999, and I I think it's from their maybe not so, I don't know. It was a huge hit when it came out, but um, kind of forgot about it over time. And it's by Korn, and it is falling away from me. I think it um, just really kind of, we were talking about offline, we're capturing like the emotions of that era and that generation, and I think it really, really fits. Um, and there's a few uh, that albums called Issues. I know it was all, you know, it was famous because they they had different fans like drop the artwork and submit it, and they took it and they ran with like what was it, Casey, four or five different album I covers. Think maybe five. five. Yeah, pretty cool. I had the one with the little doll. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that was the standard one, and then the other four were big yeah. art ones. You're right. I'm more of just a basic bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, is what we were carrying in North Dakota. Um, That's the one I had to. Nick. I also am a basic bitch. The music was the same, <laughs> um, but falling away from me. Um, very powerful music video too. The tackles like domestic abuse and um, some deep issues like that. I think they were hitting on some topics right there that matter. Um, and I absolutely, I can still go back to this one. I think part of the title of this list, the song still got to hold up and falling. Away way for me for me like i can be hitting weights or out running and when it comes on like a playlist or shuffles through i i get into it so still hits me in the feels so that's my number three falling away for me by core the banger you know who did the music video um, directed by fred durst what really hmm. Hmm. You know his first video. he's quite the r oh yeah yeah so skilled, so skilled. <laughs> you just wait. He might make an appearance on here. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's everywhere. He's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. I totally, I swung a 180 on rolling in the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's like uh, crawling. Jeremy, I, had a, 
I no, haven't been able to stop not. listening to it. <laughs> nah, that song right. still sucks. Yeah, it still it, sucks very bad. It's kind. It's kind of good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Snow Natalie and Brule. Right. I'll go with Torn. Does Torn fit? It came out in '88. Yeah, right about that time. Uh, my uh, number three uh, is uh, from the year 2000. Uh, it is. This again was a, a, a football locker room one. Uh, so Let's I don't know. Go. It's more. It's more like timepiece stuff for me, or the place where it's at. I don't have the good uh, background of the song. I didn't really like the band all that much, but sell it more. The Hans and Zoolander thing, or yeah. like, he's making it. I still, <laughs> a hero of mine. <laughs> It's uh, uh, disturbed, uh, down with the sickness. So, uh, ah! I, yeah, that oh, was like oh. I can't say I'm listening to it now. So maybe that uh, yeah. uh, broke pathways from from the intent of the list. But uh, uh, that was listen. a good song, man. In terms of like uh, that, just got you hyped and and yeah. uh, ready to go play some foosball. I can listen to it up until you know the the bridge, you know, and then and then when it comes on because it'll come on. Um, like a good example when I'm running EP in the summers, yeah, and I just like I just play like um, it shows up on you pick like Foo Fighters radio or or whatever radio right Metallica radio. It's it's like so eclectic. It's gonna show up on there. It seems. Yep. And it gets to that point. I'm like, God, okay, this is. Kind of, kind of, um, God, what is the, even the word? Not hokey. Hokey is the wrong word, but it's just too, it's too heavy handed. Over the top. Over the top. <laughs> and it talks about those same issues like that I, like it falling away from me and stuff. And this angst, but it, it handles it in such a sloppy, over the top way. It takes me right out of the song. It feels got a great hook. Nowadays, it feels very manufactured. Like if you were to put a formula in, for new metal to be successful, what would it sound like? It's that song. Probably you know? that. Yeah. Yeah. Going on a diatribe at minute two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that song when it came out, but yeah, I honestly don't like it very much anymore. I'd rather listen to the game or dropping plates from that yeah. album or even shout 2000. Um, yeah. Really? I think they've had a lot. Shout a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's definitely better songs on that album now that, hold up a lot better than down with the sickness but but the thirst yeah. 30 you, seconds the third you 30 seconds oh sorry jeremy but let's be honest jeremy you've never I listened haven't... to anything else on that album you're correct yeah yep. so yeah. they put out a lot of albums so bad. too over the years wow not judging that the sickness here we go game stupefy was like their first hit i remember mm. that yeah yeah and that was yeah that song seemed kind of dumb too because it's like Feel like he's saying the same word every two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, check. Isn't that a spell in Harry Potter? Stupefy. 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 Right. You're probably right. So you Tell me more, Jeremy. Stupefy. <laughs> Are we gonna do a top five favorite Harry Potter books list? Uh, we get. I will let my daughter guest star on here. Oh, she yeah. will. I'll, she let will my take my I'll let my wife. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cute. You can just say my own damn list. She would own it. <laughs> Casey's like, I'm procuring my shit. Yeah. Like, read my books. Kids. Watch my no, own crap. 
Oh, read my own book. All right, my number three. <laughs> yeah, uh, from two thousand one. Uh, this song was pretty cool when it first came out. It was a different sound, uh, all over the place. Uh, two different singers changed tempo about forty-five times. Uh, then the band went on to do that in every single song they ever did afterwards. Uh, so the rest of their catalog has soured on me a little bit, but the song stands out. It's Chop Suey from System of a Down. Oh, yeah. Forget about them. I do. It was a cool song. It it was slow. It was fast. It was, you know, high, low. It was all over the place. The guitars were super cool. The video was crazy. Uh, you know, the message is really dark, uh, definitely, you know, domestic abuse and how you try to cover it up and, um, how sad it is, you know, because you wanted to, yeah. Why do angels deserve to die? Right. It's interesting. It was just a cool song felt deep at the time and I still like it. I just, as soon as it hits, I I enjoy it. Like I said, the rest of their stuff kind of followed the same formula and just never hit quite as hard Mm. for me as that song Mm. did. Um, because they got really political and I'm, I, I believe they're Armenian. So I get it. There was a lot of that stuff in their history, like stand up for genocide and things like not stand up for genocide, but stand up against genocide. Against it would be yeah. preferable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely prefer to go the mm-hmm. other route with it. Um, so that just, I didn't necessarily connect as much with the rest of the stuff, but that song was a banger, man. Chop suey. Huge hit. Lot. Huge hit. Um, you know, Toxicity yeah, was probably the one that put him on the I, map a little more, which I think was the second single after this one, but... I'd say Chop, Chop Suit. I think back to Spiders on the previous album, and mm-hmm. it got him in the yeah. zeitgeist a little bit, but then I think of Chop Suey, which put him really... That exploded at the time, and then I felt like the rest of it was like... To me, it got better from there. I wasn't a Chop Suey guy, but mm-hmm. I did like Toxicity. I really loved Aerials. Yeah. Uh, Aerials was probably their their greatest one that made my short list for sure but good i mean good band though i mean for a while there they were so unique and they, mm-hmm. they i don't even know you can say they melded genres but at the same time like i don't know they're, they're it's non-sequitur it it just it just sounded so different from anything else so yeah yeah, I mean, I, um, like I said, I appreciate the coolness of it, but being they were so unique in their own thing, I felt like all their songs sounded very similar after that. It did start, yeah, it, and, it got down they to did that That weird stuff where they had like an album, which was just all dumb songs, um, had like the CDR type cover, you know, steal this album. Oh, or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, like they were doing yeah. goofy stuff like that, and that it, I just lost interest in them. I don't know if I bought anything after Toxicity. Probably the I bought. Second I don't know if it was like mesmerized or what the name of that. Oh album yeah, was. I remember that. With, yeah. uh, why do residents fight the war? Why do we always send the poor? I forget the name of the song, but that one was alright. Poetic. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I'll move on to the top twos. Um, my number two uh, is our is our Fred Durst contribution to the list. Oh no. Um, Referenced it number two, all the way up to number two. Um, and and seriously, I had I had a bunch of songs on my short list, and I still go back to this one. And it was teased a little bit a few weeks ago, but it is my way from God, I don't even want to say it chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water, which is also one of the worst album names of all time, Mm -hmm. if not the absolute worst album name of all time. 
Um, but my way is truly a standout from that album. It's, it's to, in my opinion, the best that they've ever done. Um, I don't know if anything really comes close. I think the, the build throughout the song really works. Um, the one, you know, I think the one criticism I give it is like, you know, the my way or the highway. I, I kind of chuckle at still because that was like a, something I remember my parents used to say all the time. <laughs> highway or the highway, right? Yeah, get out of here, Nick. <laughs> and uh, right, it's kind of like, you got to do your chores. And it's my way or the highway, you know? And so that part, it's a little, little too old school, but everything else works for me in that song. And um, I can remember, I was like, we've talked about pro wrestling on here. I was really out of the, the pro wrestling scene in college, um, just on to other stuff, mainly, you know, whatever. Um, I won't say it out loud because it's not cool to talk about anymore. Um, but, you know, um, stuff that was maybe chasing ladies. And, mm-hmm. and I caught this, like, they were doing this bumper for WrestleMania 17. It was The Rock versus Austin. And I guess to this day, it's still considered maybe the greatest vignette of all time. And they used my way for it. And I was like, oh, that's fun. That's really cool. It almost feels like a real fight. And um, yeah, holds up to me to this day. I'd say every now and again, it comes up on the old weight trading uh, list. And I like when I'm hitting the PR, when I'm hitting the PR <laughs> or bombing on a PR. <laughs> <laughs> you know, three or four dudes way. are pulling a bar off my chest. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm listening my to. way or the highway. Straight, straight and erected <laughs> muscle trying to deadlift. Like, my way, my way. <laughs> I like it. That's my number two. It's good. My good way. Limb biscuit. Like I said, I we talked about it yeah, a couple weeks ago. Like Jeremy said, it felt like a lifetime ago. But yeah, that's not it it does, well, as you were talking about system and you're rattling off other stuff that they did after that, it's like, holy crap, you're right. They, I mean, blink an eye and it's been, you know, you go back to 97, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. kind of a cool list you had 20 to 25 years ago. I liked your time frame. Yeah. It's cool. It's very applicable. Yeah. So, <clears throat> boy, when you let's go, when, when you're yelling my way or the highway to your erectors, do they yell back? I didn't yell it. I didn't yell I'm I, didn't, to I don't you. sing to them. I don't <laughs> sing to them. They say, I just experienced. Well, this is a segue up. to your number two, right? I, I just up when I'm talking to you. The, <laughs> I just experienced the nociceptic pain. <laughs> it wasn't. A, it wasn't a Lincoln Park hit. All right. Yeah. Back, you know? Uh, my number two is that song, uh, One Step Closer to the Edge, off of Hybrid Theory. Um, man, it was, interesting. You, you, it was interesting. I don't know that I knew this at the time. I was looking up uh, just facts about it. And, and uh, they said like after there was like a, a school shooting. Um, and the mm. kid said that this was his like fuel. Mm. This is like what caused him to. Oh, that doesn't help. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like a, a couple kids got shot in California, and the the kid said it was like, um, that's what encouraged him to to shoot. Um, killed two, wounded thirteen in Santee, California. Fifteen year old Charles Andrew Williams. Um, that's but depressing, Jeremy. Why <laughs> did you bring that up? 
Well, I, I just thought that was an interesting fact. They like the you know it's like, an interesting uh, fact. Ba- Fred Durst directed <laughs> falling away from me. This oh come a, on, a sad guy. <laughs> but this oh, is like Chester this is why you. is this why it's your number two? Yeah, I, tell us what happened to Chester afterwards too. You want to drop that no, fact on people? <laughs> come on. But he said he his original thought was like he said he just never really fit in when he was growing up, um, and it was like actually kind yeah. of like a ploy for strength for other people that didn't feel like they had a niche to say like, Hey, I went through this too. And to, to use your words earlier, like I'm still fighting type of a thing. Yeah. Um, so cool meaning behind it. Like that was one of the first, like that, that was one of the first songs of theirs that I heard. Um, and again, like for me that, like that mashup is, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've loved their sound throughout their whole career. Um, I know some people would be like, ah, it gets old, it gets flat. It's kind of the same thing over and over again, but, um, yeah, it's my number two. No, I had like four songs from that album on my short list. I had Maybe. paper cut on my yeah, short paper list. cut was probably the points of authority of was points of authority was good. I like, I could go, I could almost listen to that whole album. That like, album was, that, that was great. Still album. good. Yeah. Even though it's been overplayed. I mean, there's yeah. crawling, album. crawling was good. I mean, it was. Like, yeah, despite what Jeremy, I think it eventually. <laughs> I don't like. It. I think it. Yeah. <laughs> These wounds, they will not heal. I think it's just cool how he sings that song. Like that is a hard song to like hit on karaoke and like hit them notes. That, that's crawling. Yeah, I wouldn't even try to do that sometime. I see this <laughs> karaoke attempt. Oh, I have to have a lot of tequilas in me. <laughs> Yeah, not a bad choice, Jeremy. My number two nope. uh, has been on one of my previous lists uh, from our pump-up music. It's from 2000, a little band called The Deftones, and it's Elite. I yeah. just love this song. It's grown on me over and over again. I just don't know if there's better screaming in any song out there from any genre than this song. Uh, just bangs from start to finish. Um, Gino, still man. Hasn't Gino. matched, man. This, this song is badass. Elite. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, and it grows on me more and more all the time. Again, probably wasn't one of my favorite songs when the album came out. You know, uh, Back to School uh, was a big one on that album. Mm-hmm. Very polished. I felt like that was a cool song. Uh, Changes. Uh, everybody heard that song a million times. You know, yeah. and then going back and listening. I still and, make- yeah, Elite has grown on me. Well, probably everything else other than maybe uh, Passenger from that album has kind of dropped down. But Elite, it's a banger. It's an Elite song. Uh-huh. You know, I love them Deftones. I know. They're good. Yeah. They've changed I'm a just lot. more of a... They have. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, they didn't make my top five only mainly because I prefer their newer stuff. I feel like they're one of those bands that I feel like they've evolved with me. Um, or I've evolved with them a little bit and I can, yeah, that's cool. That's like, like I can appreciate they're still putting out stuff that I enjoy listening to rather than they're just trying to retread old crap. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of actually, that's an amazing segue into my number one. So Ooh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You teed it up for me. So my number one, um, is a band that. I think gets unfairly myopically pigeonholed into one song and that's last resort. So it's Papa Roach, right? And when you talk about a fan, Mr. Dick, so 
yeah, Jacoby Shaddix, I believe, is, is like his real name. Yeah, but that's like Jacoby my favorite, Dick. probably one of my favorite openings to any CD ever. Is well, that in Fast? He's just—he's giving my name paying homage to it's <laughs> paying homage to Janet Jackson. Yeah, I mean, it's great. That's a it's fun way to open it. Nasty, you know. <laughs> but they—they um. I'll get to my number one really quick, but they've also evolved their sound greatly and they're still putting out pretty good stuff with a great message, great content, great evolution of lyrics, everything like that. Much, much more mature, um, more spiritual, much deeper, you know, but, but back in 2000, you know, I'm like, you're going through life and you're, you're kind of like, you know, getting out on your own, wondering what any of it really means, thinking, you know, a lot before you really realize how humbling life is and now you don't know shit. Um, but Casey, I'm really proud um, to say you mentioned this earlier as like a name drop, but it's between angels and insects. Um, it, oh. when it, it's kind of a forgotten song on their, on their album. Um, that is their album's title, right? Between angels and isn't that the title of their first album? Mm. It's not infest. That's not, uh, oh, infest! You're right, infest. Yeah, those ten. Yeah. So, um, great message about not chasing materialistic things, um, the need to try to impress other people, um, and just how you don't need it, you can rise above it. Um, and I had like a one A, which is like another deep cut by theirs, never a hit, but singular indestructible droid from their hmm. second album. Um, but man, they, they have some great songs. I had like four of them on here on my short list, but when it came down to it, um, between angels and insects was my, um, kind of default number one. I had to go with it because it hit me then and it still hits me now. And I, I think even whether it was the 19 year old Nick or the 40 year old Nick, like I could still appreciate it and it still means kind of a similar message to me. So that's where I'm at with my number one. Operation. Yeah, definitely the song on the album I would say holds up the best. Just the message, and eh, it was kind of a cool sound too. It was a little different than some of the rest of the album too. Really, standard. there's no money, yeah. only have your possessions. I don't need. I don't that need shit. that shit. <laughs> Take my, my money. money. Yeah, you know when it and it escalates. I mean, I love mm-hmm. that. That's a it keeps building. That, it could be a trope in some songs, but. In, in certain ones, but it's done well. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. You know, and it allows those tempo changes allow the song, I think, to have fresh life over time. No different than like one metallic. Like you could start out there and know how it's gonna like you you you've heard it so many times you enjoy the beginning because you know where it's leading to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that crescendo. So much like my dad would have said to stairway to heaven. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Yep. Right. So that's a great song. That's better. That's scary to heaven. That's a different list. <laughs> yeah, that is a different list. A better song. top favorite 70s songs. I'm all right with that. Yeah, we could do a uh, 70s one. I, I thought about you're it. You're going to get a lot of CCR out of me. You might have to oh, research. Oh, come on. Well, well, my family nice. loved CCR, and I was I'm, not one of those people in my family. I'm going to go. We're going to go to Kansas. We're going <laughs> to have to narrow that genre down to 70s, though, whether it's like folky 70s, rock 70s. You know, I'm just going to bend it. Whatever you say, I'm going to still put whatever I want into it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> CCR. 
You're such a badass. That's an R and B song. Al Green. CCR. I'm so in love with you. Isn't that okay? All right. That's number one. My number one. Um, back to Lincoln Park again. Weird. Um, Oh. It's uh in the end. Uh. That's my that's my banger, man. That's a banger. That was a big hit. Um, Don't deny that. Can't deny it. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I don't know. uh, I don't know what his reasoning was behind it. I've never really looked into it. But I'm like that. That's always like resonated with me. Like I tried so hard, I got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. You know, it's like I I think Mm -hmm. of that in terms of like, you know, like gosh, day to day things we get so like wrapped up in and worried about and you're like man in a year in 10 years in 20 years in 30 years it's not what's gonna matter, matter. Yeah. it doesn't even matter so it's, it's probably a much more positive positive spin than what he was trying to put on it but that's probably what not. i took away from it <laughs> no one could heed his own advice say. right yeah it won't matter but he took his own life too battling battling demons uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's my number one Good stuff, though. My numero uno uh, from 99. Probably nobody, no surprise to anybody here. It's from a band named Korn uh, from the album Issues. Uh, and I lied earlier when I said there there was only one non-single. This is also a non-single. Um, why would you do that to us? I don't know. And, and to the listeners. Why, why do you so lie to the listeners? Well, go, there was no, there's no rule that has to be singles. People but, tune in to PT Shop Talk. Yeah, but why would you tell him that you you did Integrity. it and you didn't? Yeah, honesty. Because it was a it was a white lie. Uh, to Transparency. A little spicy. I, I, you you were trying to swerve everybody. You yeah, trying to swerve the listeners. Yeah, everybody knew I was going to pick a corn song. I didn't want to like just go with the obvious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a song called uh, "Dirty" from Issues. Uh, Okay. I believe famously Jonathan Davis, one of his favorite songs of all time that he wrote. Uh, I I like the song and it's grown on me too. It's similar message to Freak on a Leash, but instead of being like polished poppy like Freak on a Leash, this one's a little more uh, Dirty. vulnerable, open, you know, it's Grimy. just, yep. yep. you know, he just feels like he opens his heart to sell albums and the record company says, you know, keep opening your heart, keep, bleeding for these fans that's what sells money and he feels almost dirty uh doing that feels like a whore as the song says um and and, you know famously in the chorus he you know says it a few times i just want to laugh again you know he just put himself out there so much all the time and has to be so sad and depressed all the time like it it builds on him like he feels depressed and and don't worry, Nick, uh, but sometimes even in your job, you feel this way, right? Like you just give everything and sometimes you feel not, like... Not true. Never. <laughs> uh, you know, back. it's just like some days, right? Some days. It's just like, ah, man, I just, you, you put it all out there and you're frustrated and you're to the edge and it's like, some days I just want to be But in the end, happy. it doesn't we even all matter. Have a day, every one <laughs> of us has a day where you feel like, hey, I'm not, whether it's like, I'm not getting what I want out of this. I'm not appreciated enough for yeah. this or, you know, yeah, and that could be from the top, from the bottom could be anywhere, right? Yeah, Every and, angle. And I think you listen to the song and you really feel that emotion coming out of them. And I can, 
it's an easy song to sing along with when you're just having a garbage day um you know and I, it's just a cool song it's just growing on me it's my favorite song on the album uh still this day one of my favorite corn songs from one of my favorite bands so dirty 99 yeah. like I, you know what I, i'm just this was a fun series again i don't know did we i don't think we had any overlap did we no just bands jeremy's yep. all in on lincoln park one and two for you bro what yeah. is that right one and two yeah hybrid Good theory man. all day I, hybrid theory was probably the people man that know. i don't know i would say yeah, that you're that, probably right that if any new metal album sold more than that thing they're the only people like that's the only album i've listened like front to back i i wouldn't well i guess corn too um yeah <laughs> that cassette has had many but then reasons. but then we were in into into like for me i, I was gonna say like proud of you nick for buying the compact disc earlier but like in college that was limewire for me so oh yeah, yeah it was like i'm not gonna go to buy that yeah. oh i do i was still napstering yeah but fun, fun <laughs> fact i lincoln park I used to watch MTV2 if you watched like late at night, like Matt Pinfield yeah, had a show. Did they have the two, they had the two dog logo, yep, right? right. Two dog. Yeah, that's yeah. how you got heavy metal back in the day because at that yeah. point, MTV had already moved on from metal. And I remember uh, Linkin Park, uh, One Step Closer came on and I was yeah. like, oh, this song's badass. Yeah. And forever, off. right? I went to LimeWire, sorry, record company, uh, download the song. But forever it was on my like amp player, or whatever I used at the time. And yeah. like Linkin Park, like abraham lincoln l-i-n-c-o-l-n yeah i had no idea right? and, yeah yeah because he's like oh lincoln park i'm like okay well, that makes sense like i didn't even look at the name of the band you know so i always say yeah. buddy with me because back in the day you'd search for stuff and everything came up so funny you know it'd be like newest hit from lincoln park and you'd play it and it was just some like garbage kid song or something you know and i think plus i actually minuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think actually that Hybrid Theory was supposed to be their original name, Correct. not Lincoln Park. Yeah, I think you're. So, I think I heard that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. One fact. Cool, cool little band from Chicago. They made it big, right? They um, did big things. Yeah, yeah. Made lots of money. How far is that from Green Bay? Mm. Produce not it. far enough. Sixty-two miles. Ah, uh, my guess, Green Bay. Uh-huh. Eighty-four miles. I'm going to ask 120. Somebody want to produce that? Yeah. I'm going 120. You're saying, what, 60? Because Milwaukee's got to be like 60. Ah, you're right. That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, sorry, my internet sucks. Jeffrey Dahmer City. It's like oh. what we are talking about off pod. And he, so are you going to watch the Dahmer show with your lovely wife? Because she's into serial murders. I'm sure we will. And it'll rock me to sleep tonight. It's this, 206 miles. This says three hours, 21 minutes. 206 so even i was way short on that one wow yeah next time we have a guest we'll see if they get it right give them some options check them out so that concludes episode 36 of pt shop talk thanks everybody for listening as always comments questions concerns lists topics hit us up at pt shop talk at gmail.com check us out on youtube like and subscribe uh follow us on facebook twitter uh, do our updates through that stuff. Uh, and until next time, uh, I'm Casey Hansen, and with me as always, Nick Doling and Jeremy Van Gothenburg. Peace. Signing off. Thank you.